Very early in the morning of the first day of the week, the women went to the tomb, bringing the fragrant spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but they went in and they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They didn't know what to make of this. And suddenly, two men appeared in dazzling clothes, bright clothes, not white clothes, bright clothes, dazzling clothes. The women were frightened and bowed their faces towards the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has been raised. Remember what he told you when he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words. And when they returned from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and the others. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them, and they told these things to the apostles. But the words struck the apostles as nonsense, and they didn't believe the women. But Peter ran to the tomb, and when he bent over to look inside, he only saw linen cloth. Then he returned home wondering what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I continue to get older every year, but I try and stay relevant with my uh, references and my sermons. And so um, today it's to a, um, the geologically recent year, 1975. Um, so see if, you can, see if you can catch this. The problem is all inside your head, she said to me. The answer is easy if she take it logically. I'd like to help you with your struggle to be free. There must be 50 ways to leave your lover. Just slip out the back, Jack. Make a new plan, Stan. Don't need a core. Okay, we can stop there. <laughs> Thank you. That's right, Paul Simon's 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover, a song he never expected to be preached on Easter Sunday morning. <laughs> but the song is cheeky, but the point, I think, should be serious today, because this is what we do when we avoid resurrection, when we're embarrassed by Resurrection. We leave our lover, not our lover in the kind of flinging way that Paul Simon was talking about, but the lover who seeks us when we are lost, who comforts us when we are hurting, who created us for life and love. We leave the one who loves us and gave everything for us when we avoid resurrection. Today, I want us to think about not 50 ways, that would be a much longer sermon and not as funny as this Paul Simon song, but um, 12 ways, 12 ways we avoid resurrection, 12 ways we leave our lover. And these ways aren't exhaustive, but specific for today. And this is how do, you, how do you answer the question, did Jesus rise from the dead? So these are 12 ways of avoiding the truth that Jesus rose from the dead. One of the six ways are answering no to this question. Did Jesus rise from the dead? No. It's a myth like Hercules. It happened a long time ago. No, it doesn't matter. Or, or no, because he didn't really die. There's a, there's a fun novel by Anthony Burgess that says that Jesus really had big lungs, and so he just held his breath for a really long time. No, the only evidence is Christians, and they're pretty biased about this Jesus figure, so we shouldn't trust them. Um, no, it's, it's not empirically proven, or no, nothing supernatural can exist, or no, not, not literally, but, but metaphorically in these kinds of ways. These are ways of avoiding this. And I can, I can go into deep detail about any of these that if you would like to come to my office for, you have a free, spare three hours 
um, to talk through. But I just wanted to, to address these are ways of avoiding this, that, that are tempting to do, of leaving who God is for us. But there are also six ways that we can answer yes to this question, did Jesus rise from the dead, and still avoid the depth of God's love for us. Yes, but I learned it as a kid, and so it's not as relevant as it used to be. Or yes, but the world is still not a great place, so it must not have mattered much. Or yes, but it only matters on Easter. The rest of the year, you know, there's, there's other things going on. Yes, but Jesus isn't the only way to God, so it's not that important. Or yes, but just to save me and people like me, not, not everybody else. Or yes, but Jesus' resurrection doesn't really impact my life. These are ways of avoiding resurrection, of being embarrassed by it, like our kids are sometimes by the clothes we choose for them to wear on Sunday morning. But resurrection is not just a metaphor or a myth, but the action of the God of all creation to reveal to us that life conquers death, to claim that love conquers evil and that everything can be new. The Christian faith stands or falls on this truth that Christ is risen from the dead. If it were taken away, it would still be possible to piece together from the Christian tradition a series of interesting ideas about God and men, but the Christian faith itself would be dead. Jesus would be a failed religious leader who remained great and can cause us to reflect, but he would remain purely human. And his authority would extend only as far as his message is of interest to us. And once we lose interest, we move on with our life. Only if Jesus is risen has anything really new occurred that changes the world and the situation of humanity. In 1 Corinthians 15, St. Paul says that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we should just eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That's all we got. But if he did, that means everything changes. So the resurrection is either a nice idea to share between Instagram-worthy meals and in, in wonderful flowers, or it is all of cosmic reality being overturned. The disciples had moved on with their life. In all four Gospels, it has it that the men decided to keep on going. They, they weren't coming to the tomb. The women came to the tomb early that morning because they didn't have time to finish on Friday. Friday night, the Sabbath started, and they didn't have time after the death of Jesus on the cross to prepare his body properly. And so they had to come back after the Sabbath was over. So they came early that day. Mary Magdalene came early that first day. She was expecting nothing more than to honor the man who had shown her mercy, who had seen her as worthy of respect and love, who didn't dismiss her like everyone else in her life had. She wanted to follow through with her commitment. She had not forgotten what was lost on Good Friday. She cried and continued to cry, even upon encountering her risen Christ. He had died on the cross, and he was there before her, and she didn't know what to make of this. How should I understand this? Easter is not a cancellation of the cross. It does not celebrate anything different from the cross. It is the meaning of the cross because this man, Jesus, carried his obedience and love to the point of accepting destruction, not just torture, but death 
and ending and total failure. He said he was bringing about the kingdom of heaven, and they watched him and followed him and took him, and then he was killed. They thought the movement was over. But because of this, he has been raised up beyond death to love, which is the life of God. The resurrection of Jesus is the creation of a new bodily world, the new way of being human, a new way of being bodily. The risen Christ didn't enter paradise. He is paradise. It is because we belong to this bodily world of the risen Christ that we conquer death, that we are able to live not just for ourselves anymore, but by love and the love that Christ brings us from God. Easter is a miracle that in the absolute depths of pain, we are not lost. In the depths of grief, we are not forgotten. In the depths of fear, we are not alone. God has done all of this so that you may have abundant life. God has given all for you, for us, and God has given us a way to follow, to continue this life, a means to see God joyfully amidst the brokenness of this world. We do this through prayer and praise, through service, through study. God offers us new life together. God draws us together, not as individual automatons, but together knitted as the body of Christ. God offers us new life not as a metaphor or a parable or an idea. Christianity is not just a universal morality. It's not just be kind and nice to people when you feel like it. Sometimes it's presented that way. It's okay to be nice to people. I don't want you to be mean. But, but there's more to the world than that. Jesus wasn't just a universal idea, but was a particular man at a particular time. And it can speak, be scandalous to speak about particularities. It's all, a lot easier to speak about generalities. Do this, don't do that. So what, is, what is universal to everyone? But Easter is not a solve for a conscience. Easter is not about a philosophy or a worldview. Easter is a world made new by the particular actions of God to become flesh, a particular kind of flesh, Jewish flesh, in a particular time and space to humbly serve, to love, and then to be killed for it. And yet, rising again to defeat sin and death and claim all of us for love. We need not avoid or be embarrassed by that scandal of particularity. Jesus didn't die spiritually, but bodily totally. As, as John Updike wrote, make no mistake, if he rose at all, it was as his body. If the cell's dissolution did not reverse, if the molecule did not re-knit, the amino acids rekindle, the church will fall. Let us not mock God with metaphor, analogy, sidestepping, transcendence, making of the event a parable, a sign painted in the faded credulity of an earlier age. Let us walk through that door. In order to not avoid resurrection, we must confront it. We must truly encounter the risen Christ. We cannot look away. We cannot dismiss it as something old or irrelevant to our lives. We cannot flee if it is true, if Jesus rose from the dead, then everything is different. The resurrection is the scandal that hope is not just a good idea, but a person. That love is not just a sweet thought, but a person willing to die 
for us, to take away our sin and self-destruction, and to give us the possibility of friendship with God and love and peace and joy. We avoid resurrection when we love ourselves and nothing more. We avoid resurrection when we love only those who love us back and no one else. We avoid resurrection when faith is about maintaining what we used to do than about the inbreaking of God here and now. The resurrection is inherently something new. This new life is offered for you this day. The angel said to the women, why do you look for the living among the dead? Life is offered. Grace is offered. You don't have to look for the living among the dead anymore. Christ meets you here. You don't have to live old habits anymore. You don't have to do the things you thought you needed to do. Christ is here for you. You don't have to be on your old road. Christ is offering a new road for you. In the church, we call it the road of discipleship. Now, disciple, discipleship is, seems like a, a, a stern word. You might think about corporal punishment or discipline and those kind of things. Um, in, in Greek, it's really a student, of being a student. And to be a student, you have to have a teacher or a master. Discipleship is realizing that Jesus is our master. Jesus is our teacher. Jesus, as love, is offering a life of love. And it's whether, do we want to follow a life of love, or do we want to follow a life of self-satisfaction and self-destruction? We are offered this path of love. To be a disciple is to be confronted by the reality of the cross, to be confronted by the reality of resurrection, and to realize that everything has changed. We must, if that is so, so, we must change also. We can't stay the same thing when all of our surroundings are different. We, we must be a people who live into this new kingdom, this new path offered for us, where the poor are blessed, where those who mourn are comforted, where the lost are found, where no matter my sin or my past, my mistakes, I am loved. Where no matter where you come from, you are forgiven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. This is the kingdom of heaven for us, offered to you. Because of the resurrection, death is not the end point anymore. That's the power of resurrection. Death is not the end point. So we do not need to live to avoid dying. We can live in a new way. We can sacrifice in a new way. We can love and give in a new way because of resurrection. Or in words thousands of years old from John Chrysostom, he said, Christ is risen and you, O death, are annihilated. Christ is risen and the evil ones are cast down. Christ is risen and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen and life is liberated. Christ is risen and the tomb is emptied of its dead. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, May we feel the warm embrace of your love on this sacred day. May the glory of Jesus' resurrection remind us that with you, nothing is impossible or without hope. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.